Welcome to Buy Plus Podcasting for the Buy Plus Universe. I'm Amy Leibowitz, and I'm here with my co-host, Mick Collins. We are welcoming A. Zukowski to discuss their book, Blue Jay. Uh, so, can you give us a short introduction? Okay, yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. And yeah, I've been, you know, wanting to speak to Amy for a long time. So I thought, yeah. Um, and Mick too, nice to meet you. Um, so yeah, I am um, an author of color and I've written three novels and one novella so far. Um, I only started writing fiction really about five years ago. So I suppose that's quite good going. Um, so I'm bi. So again, really proud to be here on this podcast. And um, what else can I say? Well, I live in London. Um, I've lived most of my life in the UK, in Manchester, in London. Um, but I had a bit of a wanderlust. So I used to live in Switzerland, Ireland, and the Far East. So um, yeah, that's it. Um, Wow, yeah. that's quite a lot of places. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, 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 it's, yeah. Believe me, I mean, the, last, the last nine months has been like hard for me, not being able to just kind of go somewhere, even, you know, it's, it's really weird. But anyway, yeah. You can go places in your stories. And I'm so excited to talk to you too. And we'll, we'll, have, to get to, we'll have to get to some of the other stuff because your writing is just absolutely gorgeous like oh, it's you. just beautiful I, it's very what I, I think the right word is evocative it's um, very sensory and it's one of those styles of writing where you feel like you're right there so it's just oh, beautiful thank you thank you I don't know I I, I think I suppose um, this is something that happened when I was um, I was trained as a screenwriter and um, and I can tell you all about how difficult it was to try to get into screenwriting and stuff like this, especially as a writer of color. But um, I had um, I had a mentor. Um, she was like forty years experience for the BBC as a producer and so on. And I remember I was talking to her one day, and um, she just asked me. She said, "Well, what do you want people to feel?" Um, you know, during your story, but also at the end of your story, that's the most important. How, how do you, what do you want people to feel? And I just couldn't answer that question. And I thought, when I started writing, I just think, like, I want people to feel. And how do I do that? And I sort of try my best, I guess. Um, but also, I keep thinking, you know, reading, reading is, it's like a, very solitary and also it can be very passive kind of experience um, just just the words but I want people to also be able to visualize what I'm writing and maybe even be being able to hear being able to even smell and and all that kind of stuff and how do I do that um, I'm still kind of exploring but yeah certainly have that sense of um yeah so like i said sensory like like you said that seeing feeling even smelling um and i i think it was um 
oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the name of the story, but the one that was for Seasons of Love, right? Um, oh, yeah, uh, Courting Light. Courting Light, yes. Okay, so yeah. that one had a very, for me, almost a nostalgic kind of feel to it, like um, like you're, you're seeing through the eyes of this person their experiences, but it brought back for me, ah, I know what that what that's like when you're you're young and you have your summer ahead of you and you're doing <laughs> you're doing this work and so even though my experiences were vastly different, there were certain pieces of it that I went, Yeah, I had that exact feeling or that exact sense um when I was on my way to a travel job uh in college. Yeah. So so yeah, it it's 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 feeling in multiple different and um, along multiple axes, I think is is, is yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I am very proud of that story uh, because I mean it was it was semi autobiographical. If it's not obvious, I think it probably was. <laughs> um, and um, and I just again, it was just that as you're saying that. The, the boy who's um, on the autism spectrum um, in the story, I really wanted the, <clears throat> the person who's not considered um, disabled actually for her to be taught by the boy mm -hmm. to feel, to see, to, to sense the world differently. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a really important message of that story. Um, which did kind of happen to me. Actually, yeah, the boy in the story was a lot younger when I worked with him, but uh, he did stab the back of my hand, the bastard. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, stuff like this. But, but, like, he also taught me so much. And, and that story was, like, yeah, it was written because I just thought back at the time of my youth and, and how I learned by myself and how I learned to love women and stuff like that. So that was, um, that was beaten track. That was Debbie, um, you know, asking us if you've got a story for this collection. Otherwise, I wouldn't have written that at all. It was just going to be one of these kind of experiences going to stay in my head. So, yeah, yeah. I had the same thing when uh, when Deb asked for uh, submissions for that anthology I had one that I had just shelved that was along the same lines mine was also semi-autobiographical oh, so. yeah your story was like <laughs> I also forgot that the, the the title but that was amazing I mean oh, again, that was, yep year of the guilty soul yeah so yeah. it was interesting to me how many of us chose because it wasn't just us two there were at least two other people I think for that anthology who wrote um semi-autobiographical story <laughs> yeah because like I mean when you think about like love and seasons you know you, you just kind of think yeah I mean there's something about the summer and something about that you know that that kind of heat and <laughs> and going away <laughs> being in an unfamiliar place and uh, seeing the world differently and yeah and learning to love in some some peculiar ways and yeah so yeah. maybe that's why oh actually I have to say I now I'm, I'm being a fan um I read Pale Winter Sun oh cool 
Yeah, <laughs> I want to join you into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I I read it. Um, I think it was because um, it was because Amy uh, had that book in one of your lists, isn't it? For yes, for kind of by representation. And I read yes. I read it. I looked it up and I thought, ah, this sounds cool. <laughs> so I bought it and I read it and I I liked it a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, we can it, all have this mutual appreciation society. Right, there you go. <laughs> right, yeah, because I also love that book, um, and that—that's another one that has some very, very um, and very evocative imagery in it. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like the fact that it was kind of like a rural, you know, not somewhere that I've been or know much about, and it just—it it just gives me that sense of being in that. That community, and you know, growing up in that particular place. So yeah, yeah, that was kind of about. I mean, it wasn't terribly autobiographical,、um, except for the location, you know, because that's that, I lived there for thirty years before finally getting the hell out.、Um, but yeah, that I mean, little pieces here and there. But I, there was always so many, you know, queer teenagers run to the city. You know, what about those of us who didn't? You know, or kind of couldn't?、Mm. So、kind of where that came from. Yeah, and I also think that maybe more somehow. I think well, I have obviously hasn't I haven't read every single LGBTQ stories, but there <laughs> seem to be more more urban stories、yeah. for queer writers as well. So, so it's always good to read something that's very honest and and. Yeah, set in a place that's very specific, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think Amy and I have had that conversation before. To or you know, there's books that you know have maybe LGBT characters, and then there's books that are actually more LGBT centric. And I think it has a lot to do with kind of the honesty of the people and the subject matter, as opposed to just throwing characters in there. And I think the ones that are A little more honest that way tend to resonate a lot more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally support like own voices and and so on. I'm not saying that you can't be a writer and research and write about other people. Obviously, we do that all the time.、Oh, otherwise,、sure. yeah. otherwise, you just tell one story, right? But but I think own voices definitely shine through. I think, yeah. 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 So.、Um, While we're on the subject, why why is bi representation in your stories important? Well, I just, okay again. I I mean I read a lot, but I don't really see that many good bi representation or representation that that kind of resonates with me.、Um, so, I mean, but to be honest, I haven't really. Written that many characters who are bi, <laughs> so、um, but the two the two main characters in Blue Jay are and and again it just felt so intuitive and、uh, so honest and I just hope that that again that kind of comes through to the to the readers.、Um, I. I think it's I don't know because there just seem to be like you 
the market for LGBTQ plus stories just seem to shrink as you kind of move away from kind of gay and lesbian uh, representations. And, and, you know, you hear these kind of horrendous things that people say, like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't want to see um, any kind of heterosexual desires because I just want to want a kind of male-male romance or whatever. Um, I don't want to hear about, um, you know, kind of by representation that includes attractions to more than one gender and that therefore will include sometimes women. Um, but you actually hear people who say that, oh, I don't want to read about that. And I just, I just think that that's really like, strange to me. Um, if you're open and even if you don't identify as bi, if you see yourself as any kind of ally, you know, why would you say that? So I think it's really important. Um, so, yeah, and I want to see more, you know, people like Amy and like you make and writing stories that kind of speak to me as a bi person. Well, it's interesting to me because I've noticed that a lot of people who write trans characters tend to also write them as gay or lesbian. Um, mm. More gay than lesbian, let's be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is definitely some stigma against writing trans lesbians. But, um, but I find that interesting, too, because I, I wonder if that sort of feeds into the we don't want to read about heterosexual desire. Well, there are heterosexual trans people <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah that's very they true exist. <laughs> yeah so, so i find it yeah. interesting that there's very definitely this you know keeping things in their in their own little boxes and and i actually find have found that i have more um straight readers than um, and 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 some bisexual readers but um mm. i don't have a lot of people who are exclusively gay or lesbian um mm. So, yeah, I mean, definitely more, far more uh, uh, trans, um, far fewer trans um, men represented as well, right? And oh, yeah. yeah, just very, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the whole kind of male male um, fiction market just seems to over take everything else in the spectrum of LGBTQ plus universe. Yeah. Now, Blue Jay isn't, I don't know if I would quite put it in the category of male-male because you have a non-binary character, right? So. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't label it that, but. but no, I'm no, sure. no. Yeah, but, don't, but I am don't curious. Right. But I am curious what inspired um, what do you inspired you to write that particular story? It is really a good story. Um, and I'm curious what was behind that. Well <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean sometimes these characters just show up fully they formed, do. right? <laughs> they do. Um, they're ridiculous. And then they they get stuck in your head and you have to write them. Um, so, yeah, the three novels, um, which are all set in London, and it's, called, it's now called the London Stories series, right? So it started from the first one that I just thought, I just, I just like to 
write something for my own amusement. So that was about five years ago. And um, and then I, I self-published that story, my, my debut. And then the second book in the story, Liam for Hire, um, the, the main character uh, is one of the characters in the first story. And then Chris, he's the um, gender queer character. Um, they just kind of steal the show in, um, in Liam for Hire. So I thought, oh, let's, let's write a story for, for them. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, so I started, <laughs> and and then I thought again, like I don't, I didn't know how long it was going to be the story, but it just got longer and longer, and it was harder and harder to write, and it took me like I think over a year to write that story. Um, but yeah, they are, you know, they are a real character, and and it's. Like I say, the, the sort of bisexuality aspect of, of Chris was quite easy to write, but, but the genderqueer and non-binary aspect, I had to think a lot more and I had to research a lot more. Um, and so, yeah. He was um, the, your main character, not Chris, uh, and now I'm blanking on, because it's been a while since I read it. Alex. <laughs> Alex, yes. Yeah. So I thought Alex was a great character. Um, and I, I thought that the bisexuality in the book was very prominent. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't an afterthought. Um, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't just lip service. I mean, there was really right. some thought in there um, as to how would this character, um, mm, how I would think... he address his bisexuality? Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, again, I think he really came out of some of my own pains. Um, not, not in exactly the same way. I'm obviously Alex, who's an ex-boxer or something. <laughs> I never even picked up a boxing club. Um, so, um, yeah, Alex, um, yeah, the story is that um, he's married for a very long time to a woman. Uh, even though he knew he's he's bisexual, um, but he's a boxer, so like naturally is a very macho sort of yeah sort of uh, place. So um, so he pretty much kind of passed as straight for a very long time. So the story is just really about him exploring what it actually means to be bi, because even though he knows he's bi. Um, He's never actually acted on it. Um, and I've met so many people and know so many people who are in that situation. Um, so he's basically sort of asking, like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, you know, I'm attracted to this person who's actually uh, queer, but um, that um, they are um, assigned male at birth so he's like okay so I'm exploring my bisexuality now age you know 30 something um for the first time like what what's happening what do I do and and so again that sort of yeah that I hope sort of comes across as you know having some kind of realism there about the 
experience of being bi. Yeah, and I loved the relationship between the two of them. Chris is so endlessly patient. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if I would have the ability to be, to be quite that. <laughs> well, with man, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but they really are, um, you know, willing to, willing to meet Alex partway. And um, I think there's just... There's, there's a really good dynamic there where it's not – so sometimes I, can, I, I see when I read books where there's somebody who's coming out as bisexual, there can almost be a feel of a slightly abusive dynamic um, with one person being pressuring toward the other or one person um, really going the extra mile to deny their interest or attraction, which I think can feel very hurtful to the other person. And, but there mm. isn't really any of that going on here. You know, there's definitely some sense of, of I don't know, of Alex saying, I don't know what, what to do with this, but there really isn't, they have some interesting dynamics in their relationship, but it's not really about that. So I liked that. I liked the fact that at least with that, they're um, they're willing to um, they're willing to meet each other part way, and I think that's mm. I think that's significant. <laughs> Maybe that's the. Uh... Sorry, you go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say yeah, and then you know it's nice to see you know you bringing in that dynamic, which I think a lot of people, a lot more people than you know others realize, they have you know they know they're bisexual, but it doesn't mean like the moment you realize it, you act on it, it could be years, you know, I know people who it took them decades before they ever actually really did anything about it. And so it's, it's kind of nice having that, like, you know, a, a good kind of positive and realistic representation of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose maybe it was kind of my fantasy of what, what a, a kind of ideal ideal situation um, is for a character like Alex um, that as you say he just finds such a such a good person to fall in love with and it's sort of quite nice so because you know coming out coming out is difficult and I don't like these kind of expectation Okay, I'm going to offend a lot of people now, but I just, I think that straight people sometimes have this idea about coming out and that they, it's all about coming out and so they don't want to read about it. So they don't want, they, they want to read about how difficult it is, but their expectation of it is that once you kind of get past that, you are fine. Mm-hmm. And, and of course it's not. And like, you, you pretty much come out all the time to different people or like in different small ways, whether you kind of, you know, whether you sort of show yourself as, as not quite straight. And so I suppose writing Alex, maybe I just want to be like in that situation where I find such a lovely, wonderful understanding (laughs) queer person to fall in love. And not only that, that, that they just they just love me for who I am <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> um, well, and I think that's I think that's really relatable to how Alex is 
so I, I have seen some backlash, not this particular book, but I've seen some backlash from, um, from other non-binary people about, well, you know, how come the bisexual person has to end up with somebody who's non-binary? Obviously, it doesn't have to be that way. But as I think about it, I think, yeah, but it was knowing people who were um, trans and non-binary that actually mm -hmm. did make it feel safer to say I'm bisexual. Because if you can say, well, sure, I find trans guys attractive. I'm attracted to men, right? So that makes sense to people. And then as you mm. go, well, but I also find trans women attractive. And that mm. feels like another step um, and saying, but trans women are women. So that means I'm interested in women. And there really is some safety in taking those things one at a time. And there is definitely mm. some exploring that goes on and that happens internally to a person as you're realizing who you are, who you're attracted mm. to. And I, I liked that about Alex. And to me, it's perfectly awesome <laughs> that he ends up with somebody who's genderqueer because I don't know if I would say that's my ideal part, but I just think that there is something about, um, someone else who is very comfortable with who they are that can draw someone out who maybe isn't quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm not too sure whether that's just for, you know, for bi people um, because I think I generally just feel more comfortable in LGBTQ kind of community or like yeah. a, a space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, even though, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, I think I just, I, I think I was more meaning like it, it's, um, there's something about bisexual, about bisexual people where it's not, it's, it's not an all at once or, you know, because you can be attracted to people of more than one gender mm. um, and that could be any gender. Genders that you have that attraction with, um, that there is something that feels safer about exploring that with somebody who, again, is very comfortable with themselves, but also yeah. has elements of expression and their sense of self that mm. are, you know, that, that people of more than one gender have. So, yeah. you know, being able to say, oh, yeah, um, I find butch women really attractive which I do <laughs> um, but but then going but 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 I also think that women who are really feminine are very attractive you know that it feels a little bit safer to say oh yeah butch women great <laughs> when you're when, when I was first coming out to myself that felt safer to me like it was nothing that I really discussed with anyone else but it, mm. internally that felt it felt like baby steps <laughs> well so, I know. At that, well, I maybe. <laughs> it's different for different people. I guess that was just something that in Alex I related to a little yeah. bit. That he could find somebody who was expressing in feminine ways, attractive, and then be like, "Yes, but there's also things about him that are masculine, and I find that attractive." And I just found that super relatable. <laughs> I think. Um, I I think why I like the Chris's character so much is that um, they are just so uh, clear in 
their own mind who mm -hmm. they are mm -hmm. even though again you hear this criticism all the time right you know if you buy you can't really you know you don't really decide on who you are and um, you're just sitting on the fence and and uh, gender queer people is like oh are you, are you just confused and you know all that kind of stuff and 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 Chris is just so sure of who they are um, which I hope is refreshing to to read it's actually everybody else who seems to be like you know a bit dodgy and don't really know what they're doing <laughs> um yeah so yeah mm. well having oh yeah well oh go ahead mick <laughs> say having you know strong you know characters that are you know very clear like that and very confident i think for for readers who are still like you know, coming out, it's a process. I mean, some people, I mean, they kick that closet door down and, and come stomping mm -hmm. out. Others, it takes some steps. And I think having representation like someone who's very clear, very confident about it helps because I, I think that helps people find their own confidence and their own, you know, comfort with themselves and, you know, themselves and kind of the society and community around them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, I mean, that's why we have, I, I don't know, so many websites now of all kinds of, um, you know, all kinds of gender, sexual orientations and variants. And I hope that people can, you know, find it easier than how it was, I suppose, you know, just, just 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, um, especially for younger people i hope um yeah my kid actually identifies as non-binary already um she's 10 so but again she's just so sure and i'll be talking to her about something and she'll say oh yeah i read about that already <laughs> like, all right then <laughs> so i don't need yeah. to have that talk with you do i okay then fine um so i hope that sort of yeah, I mean, the reason why we're writing these books and writing these stories, just hope that there'll be more and more. Agreed, agreed. Well, and, and I just, honestly, I just love the fact that Chris uses they, them, and that did not feel, so I, that's another complaint. People complain that that's unnatural yeah. to read or awkward or uncomfortable. It was never awkward or uncomfortable. It flowed very naturally, and it was very... Um, Una, like it, it wasn't you know just some it wasn't sticking out like a sore thumb it was there part of the story as it should be mm. <laughs> um very much this is this is just this person's pronouns um and there was not a big deal made about that which i also really liked because sometimes i've seen that people feel like they need to address readers comfort level a little bit yeah well <laughs> uh, unfortunately it probably means that I, I've not really been able to sell this book. <laughs> you were talking earlier about, oh, it's not really a male-male romance. Uh, it's, it's not out in the kind of male-male romance kind of arena. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, I found it hard to think where I'm going to market this book. Um, but on writing, on writing the, the kind of, well, the non-binary representation and the gender queer representation—that um, was really the hardest 
think about this book um, because I just I found myself just like scrutinizing every word and every scene and every sentence about how I can challenge the the kind of gendered uh, language that we have to work with. Um, so the pronouns are the most obvious way that I did it. That I had I basically use all the different pronouns according to the mood of the story and the character. Um, so, and that's quite empowering because I uh, I'm just trying to think of an example. Oh, I think there's a scene when Chris is um, uh, masturbating. Now that's probably going to put us in the wrong, you know, wrong category for Facebook, isn't it? Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so, so they are masturbating, and because they're assigned male at birth, so they are basically playing with uh, their cock. But the, the way that it was written, it was actually she's playing with her cock. And I thought that was, that's really powerful for me writing that because that the whole idea that, that you know, you can be a woman and even think about having a penis or having that kind of uh, power associated with, I'm going to get really like, like, sounds a bit too deep now, but you know, that kind of, Lacanian lack and all the rest of it and 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 lesbian penis or whatever that, that Judith Butler writes about um, that, that to say that she's playing with her cock and she's you know she's enjoying it and I think that's really powerful mm-hmm. and then I try to and then I also try to just think about every word I use you know the English language isn't doesn't look like it's very gendered it's not it's not French it's not German when you have you know your inflections of like and there the does for nouns and changing of the endings and stuff like this right so you think that it's not very gendered or that's how actually how dangerous is because it's it's highly highly gendered so so I was really kind of like pushing myself to look at everything in such detail so for example I was told at one point um, by an editor I think who said oh women arch their eyebrows but men raise their eyebrows and which means that it's a gesture that is, is, it means different things actually, usually actually arching and raising the eyebrow. But this editor actually told me that. So when I was writing this book, I was really clear that, I'm sorry, you know, these, these people are going to raise their eyebrows when they want to raise their eyebrows. I don't care what gender they are. <laughs> and, and also stuff like, you know, uh, that again, like they giggle, like again, it's a word that is so associated with women, like women giggles, especially young women giggle. So, so I'm like, no, these these six foot tall 
ex-boxer is going to giggle. So, so that's, yeah, that's, that's why the book so, took so long <laughs> to write. <laughs> I love that. And and I can assure you that I have a six foot two, 17 year old son who giggles. So. <laughs> but you see what I mean though, Amy? I mean, it's, it's, it's like the, the language is that you, you don't, you don't use certain words for certain genders and, and the behavior is supposed to be gendered and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I've noticed that too, and I've had I've had editors make certain calls where I've just said, "No, you know what? I'm 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 going to ignore that because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't need to be gendered that way." <laughs> no, no, and I would not have thought of that with the raising eyebrows versus arching eyebrows. I mean, I think that those are two different gestures, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is, but apparently, apparently so. I mean, I I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I think of raising eyebrows as being surprise and arching an eyebrow as being skeptical, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Are women more skeptical and men more surprised? No, it's, it's, it's probably because, well, for this editor anyway, I mean, maybe there is, it's seen as like a more demure kind of thing that you do. You know, you arch mm. your eyebrow, your, your perfectly plucked eyebrow. Um, or something I don't know but yeah <laughs> yeah all right so I got a is it spoilers to t what what were we gonna say Meg oh no no go ahead go ahead oh I was gonna say so is it spoilers to talk about Chris's line of work because I actually think this is really important <laughs> but I don't want to spoil it for readers there, there are many readers I don't care <laughs> 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 what did I say no one reads my book um yeah um yeah, uh, yeah, they're a sex worker. Um, yeah. yeah, and so sometimes, now I know there is kind of a trope of um, male-assigned non-binary people and um, trans women being sex workers. That is kind of yes. a trope. But, but I really liked the way that you wrote, Chris, and how this is, like some of the work that they do is, is not what, what we think think of in traditional sex worker sense. Like I, as an American, mm -hmm. I mean, there really is very, um, a stereotype of somebody standing out on a street corner, um, mm. or like pretty woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and that is not at all what Chris does. And I think that some of the work is so that he does or that they do is so interesting. And also I think there is a lot of sex positivity in, in that. Mm. Like I'm specifically thinking of the one client that is a, a regular that they go mm. and see period, more than once during the story. Um, mm. th this person is really a side character, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a nice character. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I think, I think, mm, well, I definitely don't want to fall into that kind of convention. Um, so again, it was kind of decision quite early on in the writing process that well it's definitely not um a kind of like pretty woman type story um gosh that was such a horrible film i just wish i could sort of actually delete that, that film from, <laughs> from from our culture yeah. <sighs> um so yeah i i from very early on, I, want, I wanted 
to write a character that's very positive and is to say that you know it's kind of sex work positive and and that that they're really aware of their own power and stuff like that so yeah absolutely I don't want to kind of fall into that convention and I was also very aware of this kind of representation of trans women and the, the overwhelming representation of of trans people as, as trans women as opposed to trans men but also the overwhelming representation of trans women as sex workers so um i i do want to i did want to stay away from that but i think that chris is unique enough i think as a character that that doesn't really fall into that that kind of trope and um so yeah i i i'm very yeah i i kind of hope that i've done a, a decent enough job on that well front. yeah and i think there's also the idea that chris knows that there's some doing things that may compromise their safety but what about alex i mean alex certainly had a career that was compromising his safety yeah <laughs> it's a dangerous <laughs> line of work you know um lots of jobs are dangerous you can't just and so i like the fact that it was very sex positive very sex worker positive um and not all about the not all about the dangers or the the mm. you know that Chris was doing this on their own terms. Yeah. yeah. And Alex was not really, I mean, I, I, I know that there was some, I think there was a, at some point some discomfort, but not in the sense of, I own you. Mm. Um, and I liked that too. Um, but it's interesting, you know, you can, you can play with a trope even if it's common. I, I, we had an author on a, a few weeks ago that had, um, who had written a book um, in which the non-binary character was a demon. Well, writing non-binary mm. characters as aliens, robots, and demons is mm. kind of common. <laughs> mm. But when, you do, when it's done right, it doesn't take anything away from the story or from the humanity of people being who they are. So mm. I, I just felt, found it refreshing that Chris was not a helpless waif. Let's, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's really, really important. As you were saying, that like you don't. It, it, I mean, the worst thing is that you know all the murderers are you know LGBTQ characters are like murderers and and they die like in the first five minutes of, of your book or your film or whatever you know stuff like this. You 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 obviously try to avoid that, but I think you know I always think that I. I want to write um, queer characters who, who the readers will like and hopefully fall in love with, and that's what I want to do. And you know, it doesn't matter that what their, you know, maybe their occupations are a little bit dodgy or whatever, um, <laughs> um, or like you know, as you say, lots of people's occupations slightly dodgy. Um, yeah. But but I just want. I just want this character to have that kind of power and have that kind of attraction that that people will will like them and will will fall in love with them hopefully um, at the end. And so, yeah. Uh, did you have any upcoming events or projects in the future? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so I've got uh, I've got a novella coming out next month. Um, that's a lesbian fiction. Um, yeah, quite interesting. It's called Turn Again to Life, um, which is like a historical, um, yeah, a kind of little story that I I started writing last last winter and then kind of through the lockdown I sort of finished it um so it's it goes back to the early 20th century and about these two uh, British women who were uh, lesbians and etc yeah, oh my gosh, I love it. that story. I read it because because I had the privilege of getting to to read it. Um, I had thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 gorgeous. I have to ask you to come back to talk about that one. Because <laughs> really, today we were supposed to be talking about Blue Jay, and the other one hasn't come out yet. But oh my gosh. <laughs> well, again, it's like um, it's a weird. I keep. When I was researching that book, and I say I keep saying to people, you know, I've been I've been watching and reading all about these like alpine disasters and um, mountaineering deaths and ice mummies, and everyone's like, "What are you doing? What are you writing?" Again, <laughs> that's the whole idea that you can't turn that into a story. Like, you can't turn it into a story that that is like you know, that is attractive in any way to any readers. Oh, I yes, think. you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so that's coming out. Um, and I also have another two, two full-length novels. One of them's already written, but I found it very hard to, to get it to a state of being beta, being beta read. Um, it's, there's a big story called Runaways, um, which is from 1987 or so to 1996 um, in the UK. So a lot of that is about kind of towards the later stage of like, um, HIV and AIDS mm-hmm. epidemic and also the characters there um, also engaged in activism um, in the UK, um, fighting Section 28 uh, for the Americans who don't know about this. This was um, a local authority law that came into um, came into um, being in the UK in 1988, um, which forbids any. Uh, local authority services to um, promote homosexuality um, idea that it can be promoted um, so it mostly hits schools and education so you're not allowed to talk about homosexuality and so on and that was abolished in 2003 so my characters in this story uh, was part of the the whole kind of LGBTQ movement um, during that time. Uh, they're also kind of hit, like love stories and or stuff like that. Uh, so it's epic. Um, 
but I need to go back to that. I, I just haven't been in a in the kind of right frame of mind to to finish that that story um, because it's really hard um, to write again. And um, and but I really love the the kind of writing of it, the research of it because I have to go back to looking at the history of basically queer people in the UK during that decade so that was really fun and really good to do and then I'm halfway through uh, a detective story (laughs) (laughs) something completely different it's like a soft boil type story detective story (laughs) yes which is uh, set in the 1970s in London so uh, it's not a spoiler to say there is a murder. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that as well because I have to research all kinds of things like what kind of police cars they drive in 1973 in London and what do they say to people when they arrest, arrest them? You know, do, do they have the same kind of warning? Like you can, uh, what was it? You can... Uh, you don't have to say anything. If you say anything, it can be presented in court as evidence and stuff like this. And I had to kind of research police procedures of the early 1970s. <laughs> so that's that's what my obsession is right now. So after after iced iced mummies, I am now looking at what the police did and didn't do in 1970s in the UK. I often wonder what somebody would make of all of our writing search history. Quite a snapshot. Right? Whatever FBI agent is assigned to me has got to be scratching their head on my Google searches. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what have you been doing, Mick? What, why, why would the FBI be like, looking yeah. you up? Search. I mean, just research. I swear. <laughs> well, I'm, well, a I do... I'm a horror author, so not only oh. know what I. Oh, yeah. How to murder people? Time... Yeah, I do remember the time I had to research money laundering through churches. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> But I was also researching that at the same time as researching old hymns for lyrics. So I don't know what they're what what people would make of that. <laughs> I just seem to get you know these that come up um, that you try to kind of they, they're like those little um, in in fairgrounds those little frogs that come up oh, that you have uh-huh. to keep beating them down. So um, the efforts that keep coming up in my on my screen is happy socks. <laughs> and it's it's ridiculous. I even I even wrote uh, a long poem about that. If you remember, it's, it's on my blog. Um, just this, you know, this idea that someone's going to sell me happiness in socks is ridiculous. <laughs> Have they met me? I mean, seriously. That's great. I remember it was, it, it's not happening anymore, but I had researched, um, I was looking up um, feminine underwear for men and that would, that I was actually looking for something that um, that gender men would 
possibly wear that would be more lacy or more feminine mm -hmm. and, and 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 ended up finding a whole website of of these guys talking about oh, how yeah. they were how they were looking for something because they liked their girlfriend's underwear and thought it was prettier than theirs and wanted something that fit them properly so i ended up a bunny trailing down this whole thing and then months years i think it was years i was still getting underwear ads on facebook <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um i don't get them anymore but i haven't about that particular character in a while so <laughs> if i start writing about them again maybe <laughs> oh i mean it's always going to be useful in one thing or another i'm sure it would probably pop up in another book oh i'm sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> So where can we find you on the um, web? Not not your actual you. You're writing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the usual outlets, um, yeah, yeah, I'm on Facebook and um, Goodreads, and I've got my own blog. Um, so yeah, hopefully I've sent all those links to Elizabeth, so it should appear on the website somewhere. Um, I have to say I'm not a very sociable social media person. Um, so I'm, and I made a made a con conscious decision. Um, actually, it was just after, just before the lockdown in March that I'm going to not be very active on social media. So unfortunately, maybe um, yeah, you can try look me up, but. You probably find it. I haven't posted anything for months. <laughs> but you, if you want to write, read about a poem about happy socks, it's still definitely there. <laughs> and I'll recommend it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, those links will all appear um, when we post the past. Those links will all appear there. Uh, so everybody should be, at least they should be able to find your books. Yes, I mean, that's... that's uh, that's on Amazon and uh, Beaten Track, of course. I have to give a big shout out to Beaten Track Publishing, my publisher, and Debbie McGowan, um, because, yeah, I just love the people there, including you, Amy. Um, so, <laughs> Beaten Track yeah. is pretty amazing. <laughs> it is, it is. And it's, it's, not, it's not even a publisher, really. It's more like a cooperative of a, a gang of people who share a certain passion for for good writing and to just support each other really so definitely yeah and uh yeah so you can find my books uh, in again the usual retailers online um so yeah awesome usual places yeah um, and uh, i mean do read blue jay because i just don't think it's got enough love um, because I sort of refuse to see it as a as a romance or as as a male male romance. So um, the market is incredibly small and shrinking for all kinds of things um, that I care about. So, <laughs> so please, yes, yes, definitely read it. And <laughs> is very definitely a it, it's queer lit. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's really good. So yes, read it. <laughs> if you can't afford it, please send me a message, and I will send a copy to you. <laughs> 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 so, okay. 
Well, is there anything else that uh, we may have missed that you would like to talk about? Um, no, it's, it's been awesome. Um, I think we've covered the grounds and yeah, it's, it's just good to be on by plus. Um, because like I said, by person and we need more, we need more um, platforms um, to tell our stories and and talk about ourselves. How indulgent to talk about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely need more places to celebrate by people. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And um, so this is our this has been our guest A Zukowski. And you can find all these wonderful books um, at the places mentioned. Those links will show up when we post the podcast. And thank you also, Mick, uh, my co-host. Remember, there is a whole Bi Plus universe ready to embrace you. Reach out and find your community. Bye. Bye. Bye.